Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. G'day guys, today we're reading from Acts chapter 20 verses 17 to 38. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You know from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all the humility, with tears and with the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews, and that I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable, or from teaching you in public or from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, bound in my spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in town after town the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I count my life of no value to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you will ever see my face again. Everyone I went about preaching the kingdom to. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of everyone's blood. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you to see to as overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I did not stop warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the message of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who are with me. In every way I've shown you that by labouring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There was a great deal of weeping by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him. Grieving most of all over his statement, that they would never see his face again. Then they escorted him to the ship. Well, welcome to church today. I'm so glad that you've tuned in. Um, Why don't you join with me as I pray before we dive deeper into God's word that we've just heard um, being read out for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we can be here this morning, whether that's here in person for those serving here at church or for those watching on a screen. 
Father, I pray that wherever we are, that you would soften our hearts and that you would show us more of Jesus from your word. Please lift up Jesus. Please do this for your glory. And I pray all this in his precious name. Amen. Well, in 30 days, there's something pretty significant happening in our world, and it is the U.S. election. Um, It's pretty interesting that it's kind of the one election that kind of captures the the globe, the, the, the attention of all the different nations around our globe. And there's been lots happening this week. Let me just say it's been interesting. Um, I did try to watch the debate that happened, but I'll be honest, I actually couldn't stick it out. And I'm not going to get into the politics of it all, but it's just really interesting. It was interesting, the groundswell that kind of came about after that debate, people saying that it was just sort of chaos and it was all very brash. And this is to do with the next leader of the United States of America. Let me just say that, you know, that event and that situation kind of is in stark contrast to the passage that we're going to be focusing on together today. When, when Paul actually talks about leadership, but he talks about Christian leadership to the elders at the church at Ephesus. We're going to be looking at that together today. But before we do that, we're going to have a little bit of a context and get our bearings to see where we're up to in the book of Acts. We see that at the start, you know, Paul, he's on his third mission, missionary journey. And at the start of Acts 19, Paul, he sets foot in Ephesus, this big business city. And as he sets foot, consequently, we see that Jesus turns this city upside down. Paul, he meets these 12 disciples of John the Baptist. And he asked them this question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they say, no, they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul does next in chapter 19, verse 4, is he tells them to believe in the one who came after John the Baptist, the one who John was pointing to, that is Jesus. And so after they did that, after they genuinely believed in Jesus, then they received the Holy Spirit. See, this passage isn't telling us to get a special second baptism. It shows us that when we genuinely put our trust in Jesus, he brings the Holy Spirit to dwell in the hearts of every single believer. What we see here in in Ephesus, the gospel marches forward unstoppable. Paul continued to speak in the synagogue, but People were a little bit cold and hard to the message. And so then he goes to the the hall of Tyrannius, a Gentile hall, where we see what Robin was talking about last week, how this gospel is for everyone. And and Paul, he's speaking it to, to Jew and Gentile. The gospel marches on, unstoppable. And it kept on marching on, even when this guy called Sceva and his sons, they try to perform miracles and, and cast out demons in, in Jesus' name without themselves having a relationship with Jesus. And they're found out. The gospel marches on, unstoppable. Chapter 19, verse 20 says, The Lord's message flourished and prevailed. 
ever since Paul set foot in Ephesus, Jesus, he's, he's turning this city upside down and so much so that people, it seems like they're actually turning from their idols, those idols made of silver, to the living God, to Jesus. And because of this, you know, the idol makers, the idol makers and the silversmiths, they're actually not too happy about this. And, and one in particular, a guy called Demetrius, he actually starts a bit of a riot in Ephesus in chapter 19, and he gets the city in an uproar. It's brutal. And after this, Paul, he leaves Ephesus and he goes to Macedonia, and it appears, well, could this have stopped the gospel? In going forward? Well, of course not. Paul, he continues on his third missionary journey and he goes to different places which we don't have time to talk about today. And so let me encourage you in your times with the Lord this week to spend some time meditating on uh, Acts 18 to Acts 20. However, we, we see that Paul, he's, it says he's constrained by the Spirit of God. He's compelled by the Spirit to head back to Jerusalem. And as he heads back to Jerusalem, he, he actually wants to call the, the new elders from, from the new church at Ephesus. He wants to call to have one final meeting with them, to speak to them about Christian leadership. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. This has echoes in some of his pastoral epistles, one of which, 1 Timothy, that we're going to be speaking on and looking at later this year at PAC. But really what, what he looks at is, well, what does it mean to be a Christian leader in Christ's church? But also lots of the things that Paul actually touches on, they're all things that all of us as a church ought to be seeking after. So let's have a look. The first thing that Paul highlights here is that he calls the leaders to be those that actually care for the flock, for the church. I wonder what leaders in our world care about. I guess you, you would hope that it would be people, but there's probably some mixed motives in there and perhaps there's some status and reputation thrown in. But how about you? What do you care about the most? I know for me at the moment, I care a lot about my sleep. Um, I can kind of take sleep when it comes and I cherish it. But if I'm really honest with myself, I think about Helen and Ruby and Hudson. See, when Ruby cries, and not just a, a whining cry, but when she cries, when she's actually hurt, let me tell you, I turn into Usain Bolt and I would outsprint any of you, my lanky limbs flying ever, everywhere. I care about my, my family. But what does Jesus care about? Well, it says here in Acts 20, verse 28, Jesus cares. He cares deeply about his church. Because in verse 28, it says that he actually purchased his church by his own blood. Jesus spilled his blood for the church. He, he laid his life down for them. To save them, they are precious to him. And so firstly, the Christian leader is called to, like Jesus, care for the flock. Paul models this. In verse 18, he says, I, I served you with great humility. Which means that he wasn't actually self-seeking. He was others-orientated. 
And he served with tears, kind of showing his heart, the nature of his heart. But then verse 20 says he, he, he actually didn't hesitate to do what was helpful. He didn't just have the, the feelings about it. He actually acted and, and really cared for these people. And verse 24 says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He cared for the flock, and I think Greg really exemplified this. What did Greg do with his life? Well, his only aim was to to finish the race, to complete the task before him, caring for others by telling them about Jesus. That's the first thing Paul calls these leaders to do. The second thing he calls them and urges them to do is to not just care for the flock, but to, to show their care for the flock by, secondly, feeding the flock. I don't know how much time you spend on your phone. I think it's probably scary if we actually think how much we do because we, we're on it a lot. We're kind of, it's attached to us by the hip. And, and as we spend time on our phone, we are just bombarded with noise, with, with all these different things telling us all these different ideas and, and issues and opinions. Yet, as, as we're kind of flooded by all this noise from our phone and all these other different things, we, we have this one word that has stood the test of time, this one word that doesn't sway, this one word that comes from our maker, the one who loves us more than anyone else ever will. And Paul calls these elders, take this word and feed the flock. The image he gives is a shepherd. A shepherd caring for his sheep by feeding them. And Paul, he really modeled this in his ministry to those at Ephesus. Verse 20, it says that he didn't hesitate to preach what was helpful. Verse 21, he says that he's declared to both Jew and Greek, in other words, to to all, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in Jesus. In other words, he was committed to the word of God and ultimately to the one the word points us to, which is Jesus, the one who died for us in our place so that we can be forgiven and have life with him. And then verses 25 to 27 says that he chose to preach the whole will of God and so that he was innocent of anyone's blood because, well, Paul, he laid it all out there for the church. Paul modeled this and then to the leaders he says this in verses 32, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, this word, the gospel, which can build you up, in other words, which can mature you, which can nourish you in your faith, which can build you up and give you an inheritance. An everlasting inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance among all those who are sanctified. If you're a leader in this church, the call is to feed the flock. For where else can we go for the words of Jesus bring eternal life? But for all of us, I pray that we wouldn't starve ourselves 
but we would feast on what is before us, where in this word we meet the living God, our Lord Jesus. God's leaders are called to care and to feed the flock. And thirdly, they are, they're called here to keep watch. Turn with me, verse 28. Paul says to these leaders, he says, keep watch over yourselves. I mean, there are unique challenges for anyone in positions of leadership, but I think there are particular challenges for those in vocational ministry. I, I speak as one, as someone in vocational ministry. Because those people, they have a unique target on their back. The temptation is to live a double life, to say one thing and then to live in a different way. The temptation is there. But let me just say, the temptation isn't just there for leaders, it's there for us all. And that's why Paul, he calls these leaders to keep watch. As we'll see later in 1 Timothy when it comes to Christian leadership, character is king. And so firstly, he calls these leaders, keep watch over yourselves. And verse 28 says, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds. You see that image again? Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. This this image of a shepherd comes up again and you know, the, the shepherd, they, they feed their sheep, but they're also, they, they're keeping watch for foxes, for wolves, for predators that may come and kind of tear the sheep to bits. And Paul, he says, savage wolves, they, it's not a matter of whether they might come. He says that they will come and they're not going to spare God's precious sheep, his people. And these wolves, they might even come from within. What will they do? Paul says that they will distort the truth and will actually lead people to not follow Jesus, but to follow themselves, as it says in verse 30. They'll lead people away from the Bible, from the gospel. So be on your guard, he says. And so for leaders especially, it doesn't mean seeking out fights for fight sake but for leaders it means faithfully holding on to the word of life day after day year after year generation after generation so that the flock is fed and not led astray paul says that god's leaders should care should feed should watch and finally we see that god's leaders ought to be open handed let's have a look in verse 33 and he says this i have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions in everything i did 
I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know if you guys had tuned in to Gary Koo and Sarah's conversation on Wednesday. It was sensational. If you haven't watched it, make sure you go back and watch it. And I loved a little quote Gary said that he said, you don't need to teach your kids kind of two big things. You don't need to teach kids to love hot chips. Amen, brother. I don't need to teach Ruby to love hot chips. She loves them. And the second thing you don't need to teach kids is to say that something is mine. Because that's something we are all by nature like. By nature, we are all tight-fisted. This is mine. And yet Paul, he says that he actually doesn't want us to be tight-fisted, coveting other people's silver or gold or what other people have. But he wants us to be open-handed to leaders and all of us at the church. But let me just tell you, it is hard for a tight-fisted person to open their hands. How does a tight-fisted person open their hands? Well, it's only through the gospel. It's only through trusting in Jesus and understanding what Jesus has done for us. That Jesus, he didn't come to to be served, but to serve and, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Titus 2 verse 14 says that Jesus, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. The only way that us as tight-fisted people can open our hands and live generously as leaders and as a church is as we reflect and think about Jesus and his love that is so compelling. For he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's a pretty firm, direct, it's a, it's a warm exhortation to these leaders. But Paul, he's, he's firm with them too. And yet after this encounter that he has, and as he's on his way to Jerusalem, we read this in verse 35. When, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. There's great in- intimacy here. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved the most was his statement that that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. After all this, they break down in tears as Paul heads back to Jerusalem. It's a farewell of sorts. And I'll be honest with you all, I found this sermon particularly hard to write this week in light of um, the recent events of the passing of Greg. For like Paul, Greg was a pastor. He was a Bible man. So of course, everything that Paul has just said, Greg would be saying, Amen, yes, I agree. Yet like Paul... Greg, he ran the race. He fought the good fight. He finished the race and laid up for him is a crown of righteousness that no one can take away and that's all because of Jesus. In this passage, we see a farewell of sorts. 
Because we know that if we're in Jesus, the ultimate homecoming is awaiting us. And yet we also see a call for leaders to rally and to stand. The image of a Christian leader, the image of a Christian leader here, it isn't pomp, it isn't a public show. The image we yet hear is of a shepherd. The Latin word for that is pastor. Being a pastor, being a shepherd, it's it's gritty. It's hard, yet it's an important call. So let me urge you to pray for our leaders here. Pray for our nominators. Yet pray for us all. That all of us as Christ's church that has been bought by the blood of Jesus, that we would care for one another deeply. That we would be feasting upon his word, committed to his gospel. That we'd be keeping watch over ourselves and living generously. And in all of this, our whole lives would not be pointing other people to ourselves, because what good is that? But our whole lives would be pointing people to the chief shepherd, which is Jesus, the one who laid down his life for us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son. Help our lives to direct others more and more to him. And I pray all this in his precious name. Amen.